This is a Woodside Church podcast. Uh, well, it's so good to be with the nine o'clock service. And uh, Catherine and I always look forward to the opportunities of uh, being uh, with the rest of the church as well. And uh, it's great to be with you. We um, are in the third week of a series entitled God First. Um, Martin said a little bit about this week. And to be honest, um, when when you're preparing to preach, all of us are the same. You, You really want to be diligent with that. And you want to prepare well. You want to have time to prepare well, hear from God. And it got to Thursday of this week. And much of the, many of the days that normally I would be preparing for had to be prioritized for other things. And if I could tell you my level of anxiety towards the ends of Thursday... Um, they were pretty high. I don't know about you, but I mean, we all get anxious sometimes, don't we? And uh, anxiety sometimes comes because maybe there's conflict with somebody else and you know you just want it resolved and that kind of thing, maybe in the workplace or somewhere else. Sometimes when things are, you know, seem to be too difficult for us and we're out of our comfort zone. Uh, one of my anxieties, a common one, is just when the pressure of time you know, time limits, and you think, how am I ever going to do this in the time that I've got? And uh, it got to early evening after Catherine and I had had our meal, um, and uh, just just pottering around, just, you know, sorting out, you know, tidying. Catherine does all the work in the kitchen, by the way, uh, well, most of the work, but I, I do clear up. Uh, so she does the clever stuff, and then I clear up. And uh, But while I was doing that, um, feeling really anxious about now, I just felt God speak to me. Now this is God's, what, what I'm doing today, we, we last, two weeks ago, Ensign, first love. Loving God more than anything else, anybody else. Last week, Martin, first um, beloved, fruits, about putting God first in the way we handle our money. Today, it's first call, and it's the call of God on our lives. And, you know, the call of God, I felt God say to me this, just in, in our kitchen. He said to me, I don't know if God speaks, I'm sure God speaks to you in lots of ways, but he just said this in a still, small voice. He said, you have been living in the good of my call for decades. Just sit on a stool and share your heart. That's why I'm sitting on a stool. Martin was looking at me thinking, well, what's going on here? But that's, that's, he just said, sit on a stool and share your heart. So I hope you'll bear with me, live with me. In fact, over this next three services, I, I, I'm wondering whether each service it may come out slightly different. Uh, I'm relying very much on God's Holy Spirit. I have some scriptures that God has put in my heart that I want to bring to you. Um, But God has called us. 
He has called all of us. Now, one of the things about being called by God is that it's his, the first call on our lives is God's call. In fact, you could summarize and say the only call on our lives is God's call because every other demand, every other priority, every other thing that, that is in life comes under the umbrella for us as Christians of God's call. And we're called to follow him in every aspect of our lives. And our response, isn't it, is to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of us. And to do it intentionally. And something else I found over these last two and a half days, two and a bit days really, I I found God starting to sharpen me. You know sometimes how a knife gets a bit blunt and suddenly you get a new kitchen knife or something or a new pair of shears or or whatever it is. And suddenly you realise how blunt the other one got. Or it got a bit sharpened. Or like windows sometimes, you know, you just put up with the windows, or I do anyway. Uh, as they are, and then suddenly they get cleaned, and you think, wow, isn't this clearer? And what I'm just trusting today for all of us, if you like, a bit of the overflow, I feel God's been disharp me over this last couple of days, and he's been cleaning my windows a bit. And I trust it will be the same for you, as we consider God's uh, first call uh, on us today. And we're seeking to live, are we not, on a daily basis in obedience to God's call. And that's the most important thing. And you can see all over the Bible the call of God. You see stories in the Old and the New Testament of people being called. I mean, it's just everywhere. In fact, if you uh, do what I did, and, and I've hardly used any of these scriptures, I've just used one or two, but... Uh, if you go on to something like BibleGateway.com, I use this a lot. It's a freebie, it's a website, uh, and you can just search for keywords or key verses uh, online. Uh, and I just put the word call, and call and called come up, came up all over the place. And the number of places it talks about us being called is just incredible. Uh, not just individuals being called, you know, like those in the Old and the New Testament, our heroes, but we have been called as well. You know, we're called out of darkness into his glorious light. We're called, out, we're called out of sin into his forgiveness. We're called by him out of law into grace. We're called out of living a lives for ourselves and now to live a lives for him. We're called out of living self-orientated. We're called to be disciples of Jesus. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. We have been called of God. Uh, as his servants and his people. That is paramount. That's, you know, we've been called, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else that you're worried about will be added to you, uh, that you need. And so, when you look at just the disciples, look at, the, look at those that were fishermen. And Jesus came to the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and he called them. And he said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And do you know that's something about God's call? It means leaving everything else and taking hold of him and then pursuing what he has for us. And uh, then you, you find that three years later, Jesus, before he goes to the cross, is speaking to them. And he says this in John 15. He says, I have chosen you. 
and I've appointed you that you will go and bear fruit. And then uh, you find after his death and resurrection and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, Jesus now uh, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And the apostles, the disciples are just spreading this good news about Jesus throughout the known world. They are just vigorous in what they're doing. They're laying hold of what God has called them for. Uh, to the point that in Thessalonica, uh, it, by the time you get to Acts 17, they turn up there in that city, uh, now in modern-day Greece. And uh, the, they said, these men who have turned the world upside down have also come here too. When we are called of God, we're like the disciples of Jesus, whereby we lived an ordinary life, but now we're living an extraordinary life. Now, one of the mistakes that people make when they think of calling, and I think I made this once when I was a young man, was thinking the only people that are called are those who are called for full-time Christian ministry, called to preach and teach, called to be Christian leaders, called to do some Christian charity work, called to be missionaries, and all the rest of us just get on with life. That is a mistake. Now, those are callings. And some of you may even feel a calling to some of those things and others. And praise God for that because we need people to feel call of God in those areas. But the reality is, is all God's people are called to follow him and to live extraordinary lives in a dying, broken world. And to make a difference wherever we go. That's what we have been called to do. And we've been called, so Romans 1.6 just says, and you who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. And that, do you know that's the first thing? We're called to be with him. I love it when, you know, at one point Jesus calls his disciples to be with him. Yeah. We're called, Romans 1.6, to belong to him. And you know, it comes out of relationship with him. It's, we're called to be with him yeah. and then to follow him. That's what those disciples on the shore of Galilee were called to do. They were called to follow him, to be with Jesus, to, to follow him for those three years and then for the rest of their lives. And so um, it's a mistake to think that just some have a calling on of our, our lives. It's for all of us. But this is the thing. In our culture, the gravitational pull is towards greatness. You know, uh, uh, the number of times you see on reality TV, for example, particularly when it comes to using musical gifts, that people are desperate for greatness. And they're desperate in order to, you know, uh, live the great life. And that's not like that for the people of God. You see, it's not a call to greatness, it's a call to serve. And let me just share with you what Jesus said about this in Matthew 20, verses 26 and 28. And he says this, he says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our calling, first and foremost, in following Jesus, is to follow his example, because that's why he came, 
and in every area of our lives to become a servant, first and foremost to him, and then to those around us in whatever spheres of influence that they're in. Now, if we get this, this keeps us from doing what I've noticed over the years some people mistakenly do, which is hang around as a Christian, doing nothing seemingly, waiting for the call of God. The call of God is loud and clear, be a servant. Now, let me just outline that just a little bit more. We're we're called by God, just like the disciples, to be servants. And when we actually do this, I was writing on the back here. Um, Let me just take you through a little bit of a thought process I went through this week. I started looking at all the different roles that I have in life. And I was, frankly, quite astounded. I mean, I have 12 roles just in a context of family. 12 different types of relationship. Now, you can just think about this for yourself right now. But let me, let me just... I, I've written them down because you know, I might forget one of them. I'm a husband. I'm called a God to be a servant as a husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm a father. I have the privilege of being also a grandfather. But I I actually have two parents who are still alive. I'm actually also a son. And I have four sisters. I'm a brother. Catherine has siblings. I'm a brother-in-law. I'm also a cousin. And I'm a second cousin, some of whom I have contact with. Uh, I'm a nephew. I am a great-nephew, because I still have two great-aunts, very elderly, but still alive. I'm an uncle, and I'm a great-uncle. Now, in each of those, God has called me to be a servant and to make a difference as a follower of Jesus, because not all of them know Jesus, in their lives. Have I ever thought of that before? And that's just when it comes to family. In church, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, I'm a leader, I'm also a volunteer. Not everything I do is on my job description, or am I paid to do, as it were. I'm a brother in Christ. I'm a fellow worshipper, loved it this morning. I'm a receiver of ministry as well as a giver of ministry. I'm a community group member. I'm a friend. And I could keep going. And in every area of my life that God has given me to do within the context of church life, Jesus has called me to be a servant. It's a calling from him. Not to be the greatest, but to serve. Does that make sense? And then as a staff member... A little different just to being within the church, although it's the same context for me. But think about your own workplace. I'm a senior manager. I'm a leader. Uh, I'm a line manager. I lead some teams. I'm a fellow worker. I'm a colleague. I'm a team member. I'm assistant. I'm an assistant to team member, uh, to team leaders. I'm a mentor, just to put down a few things. 
What roles do you have if you're in your workplace, if you actually are in that kind of setting? And we're called to be a servant. Not to be the greatest, but to serve. And Jesus said, he wants to be the greatest, must serve. That's exactly what Jesus did when he came to the earth. And outside of work, you're still with me, and of church, and of the family, but just in the community, just in life, I suddenly found I'm a load of other things. Just to add to the list, I'm a neighbor. I'm a friend. I'm a customer. Do you know we're to be the same when we're customers as we are when we worship God? How good a customer are you? I'm an acquaintance. I'm a fellow passenger. Whenever I'm sharing public transport with anybody else. Or in fact sitting in the same car as somebody else. I'm a road user. Do you know we're called to be Christ-like as road users? I thought that would tickle a view. <laughs> but we are. I'm a voter. I'm a consumer of goods and services. A viewer of TV programs. A holiday maker. If I have to go to the dentist or the doctor or the hospital, I'm a patient. Do you know God wants us to be godly in all of those areas? To represent him because we're called of him to display his glory, his character, to bring his life in whatever situation we're in. And before you start thinking Tim Green's multi-schizophrenic here, actually these are some of the ingredients that make up the whole of our lives and where we can have an influence in the midst of others. And in that sense, actually, the best compliment somebody can give to you is that wherever you are found, whatever context you're in, whether it's church or family, work or just in the rest of life, that you're the same wherever you are. A woman of God, a man of God, whose heart is after God's own heart who knows that you're called of him and looking to be used of him, not only to be blessed yourself, but then to let that blessing splash on to the lives of others. Does that make sense? And so there's a challenge there, but we are called of God. Now, I just put all of this into one phrase, one statement, if you like, And it comes out like this, that I am called by God to be a servant, using the gifts and abilities that God has given me, the personality that God has given me, and the working of God within me to be a blessing to others and a means of God being honoured. And I tell you what, it's not just me, it's all of us. 
Do you think we could just say this all together? Is that all right? I mean, sometimes, do you know what? The Bible is full of declarations. The psalmist declares a lot of things, for example. And it's not a bad thing sometimes to declare some things. And I wonder if you can grasp, you know, it's quite a long sentence, but it's all broken down into nice, easily understandable sections. Should we just, should we just say this together? Because this is, this is God's calling on us. Uh, are you ready? So, right, after three, one, two, three. I am called by God to be a servant, using the gifts and abilities that God has given me, the personality that God has given me, and the working of God within me to be a blessing to others and a means of God being honored. Whoa. I mean, that sums up what God put in my heart. Now, time's going to run away with me, and I've got a whole load more here, but that's fine, because I just wanted to be really open to however God was going to lead. But let me just show you something else. I, I've, last year, I did this um, Bible reading scheme. It's just taking you through the Psalms in a year by Tim and Kathy Keller. Really good, really helpful. So I thought I'm going to do the Proverbs one this year. So I started Proverbs and just yesterday it was on the righteous and the wicked. And the righteous and the wicked, uh, you think, right, the righteous, and Tim Keller was explaining this in his, in his little thing, or, or Kathy Keller, whoever wrote it, or they may have both written it together. Often we think of the righteous as the moral ones, which is true. And the wicked as the immoral ones. But he goes back to the Hebrew root and he cites some commentaries that I actually found I had on my shelf that hadn't opened at the page he refers to in his little acknowledgements. And he said this. He said that the word righteous in the Hebrew has a social context to it. And... Its actual meaning, let me just read you what the actual meaning. The righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves in order to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community in order to advantage themselves. You get that? That is exactly what Jesus did. He said, I came to, not to lord it over, but to serve. He left heaven in order to come down and serve. He left the privileges in order to empty himself, become a man, and then he disadvantaged himself through suffering, obedience, Going to the cross and taking upon himself our sin, he disadvantaged himself to advantage us. In fact, to advantage the world. And we have been called not to be Jesus in that terms. He's the saviour of the world. But he says, look at me. I didn't come to to be served, but to serve. 
And when you serve in the workplace, in your family, in the church, in the community, in any other way that God leads you, you disadvantage yourselves. You disadvantage yourselves because you sacrifice time. You disadvantage yourself because, as Martin was teaching so wonderfully last week, you sacrifice money that you otherwise would have spent on yourself. You disadvantage yourself because you actually are laying down your life for your friends. And Jesus demonstrated that supremely. And his calling on us is to do exactly the same. And we're called to be, by God, to be a servant in whatever situation we're in. We're also called by God in whatever circumstance we're in. One of the things that worries me sometimes is when somebody says, I've been so busy lately, I'm just going to put everything on hold in terms of the things that I'm doing particularly within the church or or community, whatever else. Now, please don't mishear me. There are times that's exactly the right thing to do. But what you're not doing, I hope, is letting go of the calling of God on your life. Because we have been called by God to serve him. We're servants of him and of one another. And to press on to reach the end of the race. Now can I just uh, finish with uh, a verse from Thessalonians. How's all this possible? How's all this possible? And Sharomi, if we can just go to 2 Thessalonians. We're to live a life worthy of God's call. That's, that's the message. Live a life worthy of God's call. And let me just show, read you this. So we keep on praying for you. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honoured because of the way that you live. And you will be honoured along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And you just go home with that verse. And there are four things, words in there, which are key words when you read it. Three begin with P and one with G. The first one is prayer. Pray for yourself that you will live a life worthy of God. And please, let's pray for one another that we live lives worthy of God. Just like the example here of the apostles saying to a church, that's how we're doing. It's for us individually, but also corporately. Don't underestimate the power and the value of prayer. But then also power. Because we cannot live a life worthy of the call of God apart from the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Don't ever underestimate the need to live lives filled with the Holy Spirit. The third one is prompting. Because God speaks. Whatever your faith prompts you to do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as God speaks. You see, it's not just the ordinary. It's actually the extraordinary. 
is God actually saying, make that phone call. Offer to serve here. Reach out to that neighbor. Be friends with that person at work who everybody else is picking on. It's the promptings of God that we respond to in faith that we suddenly find open a whole new door for God to work and move through us. And then finally, it's all by the grace of God. We are flawed people. We have weaknesses. And we're so aware of them that we often disqualify ourselves from living a life in line with his calling. But do you know what? The grace of God is such that he does empower us even though we're not holy. We are theologically, but in terms of our ongoing living. He does seek to use us even though we are not perfect. And we can rely on his grace as that wonderful hymn says, to carry us through to the very end of our days as those that hold on to the calling of God. I hope, I'm going to finish there, but I hope that's bring of some help, encouragement, sharpening and window cleaning for each one of us. Shall we just pray? Yeah, we can stand, we can pray. Father, sharpen us, we pray. We thank you that we've been called by you. Jesus, you've called us to follow you, your friends and your disciples. And we ask in Jesus' name. What joy. I mean, I just feel the joy of it. What a joy that we've been called by God. I mean, out of darkness into light, out of sin into forgiveness. And Lord, let us live in the good of all that you have done. And use us for your glory to live a life worthy of your call. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to hand over to Martin and drive safely from one side of town to the other. Tim Green, what a legend. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.